Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed Ed, Mike, and myself. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to commandeer the show, and instead of asking about the biggest story of the week, I'm going to use my executive privilege and declare the story of the week. The clear favorite for story of the week, nationally and internationally, is this is the 150th weekly episode of this podcast, and we are going to congratulate everybody, and especially Mr. Ripken himself. That would be Ed, who still uses a different last name, but we know it's really Ripken, whose attendance has been absolutely perfect. So congratulations, and thank you very, very much, guys. Can't think of a place I'd rather be. I can't believe 150 went awful fast, didn't it? We've done, we've covered a lot of ground. Crazy, man. Wow. All right. Now that I did the hard job, guys, I'm going to give you a choice. Is it Bud Light? Is it Trump versus DeSantis on Disney? Is it, um, let's see, what other big stories that I like for the week? Um, all the usual transgender stuff that's going on, because there's tons of that. Well, I'm afraid you're behind the time, Stephen, because the big news is Fox gave $800 million to uh, Dominion uh, for wow. no particular reason whatsoever, just okay, to get I out of that to start, I didn't want to start with that story because it'll say, there goes a Jew thinking about money. So I figured I'm going to let that one go <laughs> to the end. But okay, talk about right. it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money. You don't think they had to give it up? No, I mean, they're was an, I, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, excellent article in CNN.com about the alleged false statements that were said by uh, guests on Fox that it, uh, accused Dominion um, voting machine systems of being you know, bad in some way. And I read through them all, and um, some of them were clearly false in the sense that they were confusing Dominion with Smartmatic. Smartmatic was the voting machine system that had ties to Venezuela. Um, and that it's it's too complicated to go into. Um, so some of the guests were were saying that uh, Dominion had these ties to Chavez and Maduro and Venezuela and whatnot, um, and that's clearly wrong. Um, Falsity is not enough. But that is not enough. You have to know it's false or be with a reckless disregard of the truth. And there is reckless disregard of the truth. It means that you subjectively malice. It means you subjectively entertain serious doubts about the truth or falsity. However, the and these are guests, not Fox itself, except for Lou Dobbs said a few things, but he's gone. But the deposition um, testimony of the hosts, they they all in, they all admitted that they didn't think that it was true, that it was true. Um, which is that's that's or that they had that, that's in, that's interesting too, right? Having doubts <laughs> is different than uh, no, that's um, the, that's the standard. If you subjectively entertain serious doubts about whether something was false, true or false, then that's enough to prove actual malice. Mm-hmm. That's reckless but disregard of the truth. But that's the guest saying this, not the hosts. But the hosts the, published, they, pu- they put it on the air. 
How did that, how well, do you do I mean, a live program and put things on the air and, and well, what are you are supposed they, to are do? They, are they challenging it or are they, did, I mean, do they know something's not true or, or, or not? You know, were they told anything? Did Hannity know that it wasn't true and I had guests on? But Hannity, I think them? Hannity said, I think Hannity was one of the hosts that said, I knew this was, this sounded like bullshit and, but we put it on anyway. Kennedy was not one of the ones in the CNN article, but that does not mean that uh, this article is, um, you know, entirely, uh, you know, complete. Uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of these are Dobbs. Uh, only one was um, Hannity interviewing Sidney Powell. Now, Sidney, Sidney Powell really should have been the one Sidney Powell and uh, um, Giuliani. Giuliani should have been the ones too. They were the ones who were um, actually saying the things that were clearly um, questionable. Um, most of these, you know, most of the of the quotes have to do with like foreign control, foreign ownership, this sort of thing. That um, that doesn't. I, I don't know. You know, certainly, a, I had no idea at the time. Um, whether that was true or not, but they, it turns out to be false. Um, I don't think any of the quotes had to do with the fact that, uh, you know, or, or what I would have liked to have seen is some investigation into the quotes where the machines could be hacked or be unreliable. I don't think they've gotten, you know, I think Fox, Spend eight hundred million dollars to prevent that sort of information from being adjudicated, because I think there is certainly evidence that I've seen that um, that cheating can occur with these voting machines. Well, don't they have the Democrats saying all over the place a few years ago that those machines are hackable, et cetera? Yes, mm -hmm. and there's plenty yeah. of articles to that effect. Yes, absolutely. You're supposed, you're supposed to forget about all that, Stephen. That doesn't that doesn't count. The most damning one is the adjudication, where uh, if the machine can't tell who you voted for, it sends it to a human, and then the human votes. Uh, the, the human corrects it, oh. and there is evidence that that was um, corrected a lot. There's also the evidence from Michigan where um, votes were switched, um, and not just randomly, but uh, you know, towards the Democrats. Uh, I don't know whether it was Dominion or Smartmatic uh, in the Michigan case, but I guess it doesn't really matter. There's there's certainly evidence that uh, well that votes were switched in some areas, and the adjudication issue is uh, extremely difficult. And then there's the dumping of ballots, where you get you know a hundred thousand ballots all in one direction. That that's obviously. Um, you know, that's obviously suspicious. And whether that's due to the machines or whether that's due to the poll workers. Um, you know, I, I always like to say, if you go to Vegas, you like to play roulette, right? The guy rolls the ball and spins the wheel and you watch and the ball bounces and bounces and you've got your, your 10 bucks on red or whatever. And it comes out, you know, black and you lose. Well, it came out black. But what if they have a new roulette wheel where it's covered? And they they spin it and spin it and spin it and then when it comes and then you hear it stop, um, the uh, the guy who's in charge looks in a tiny hole and says, "Oh, it's black," and you lose. Well, 
No, I mean, how, how, do, how do I know that? You know, take the cover off, let me sing. Oh no, no, we can't do that because that would be bad. And that's what happened throughout the end. Now, would you play that game of roulette for 10 bucks? Would you risk $10 on a game of roulette where only one person gets to see where the ball lands? Of course you would, nobody would play that game. Well, that's exactly what happened with the election because no one was allowed to actually monitor the counting process in the number of states. So, I mean, well, while you're talking, Ed, I just I just called up on my on my phone here the the summary judgment motion that Dominion filed in the case. It was not granted because the case was set to go to trial. But if you, as I look at the the point headings, that you know, point heading five, which begins on page eighty seven, says that Fox acted with actual malice, and it goes goes through executives responsible for Fox programming and content knew knew uh, that the statements were false uh certain hosts and producers and executives with specific responsibility for each broadcast knew the statements were false or recklessly disregarded with truth disregarded the truth they cite maria bartiromo lou dobbs justice G justice janine uh fox and friends hannity's november 3rd broadcast tucker carlson tonight's january 26th broadcast and then they give additional there's additional evidence I can't read it all right now, but uh, I just I have the time. Uh, what's their damages? They don't need damages. Well, first of all, it's, I think it's defamation per se. I think the damages are presumed because it's they're defaming them in their business. But I think they are they do have damages. Who's going to want to buy their machines anymore? Well, nobody should buy um, any of these machines Democrat. anymore. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I mean, not because they may have some connection to venezuela which ended up not being true but because these machines are uh unreliable in principle like the roulette wheel they're in principle un untrustworthy um so i i don't Is that know a decision you want a judge to make or do you want the legislature to make that decision i want the well obviously i want the legislature to make that decision but in this particular case the jury should make that decision well why should i mean why shouldn't the legislature's decision be respected if the legislature said we're going to count votes with Dominion. Why should a judge or a jury be able to override that? Oh, well, again, it depends on what the law is. I, I, none of these. Um, well, nobody is arguing that, these, the, that the Dominion machines were used in, con in contravention of the law. The law clearly provided that they were going to be used. So why should the I, judge or jury be able I to have no I have no idea what the law said. The law may say that uh, the Secretary of State gets to figure out voting no whatever he wants. I mean, yeah, you know, that's generally yeah, how if, laws are written. If that's a valid delegation and in in furtherance of that delegation, the Secretary of State chose Dominion, who's to why why do you get to second guess that that decision? That's the legislature's call. The legislature de delegated the authority to the Secretary of State. Secretary of State acted pursuant to law. That seems like, uh, you know, the court should stay out of that. Well, there. I mean, I don't. You know, in principle, I, I, if we're going to go back to the 1787 version of the Constitution, I think you're right. But in the current version of the Constitution, as un understood by the uh, Supreme Court, uh, people have a right to have their vote counted, and, and they have a right to a fair and free election. Now, that's not in the Constitution anywhere, but the Supreme Court has held that over you know over and over again so if you can show that by having this roulette wheel with the cover over is does not produce a fair and free election um the the courts do have responsibility to throw that out 
Uh, I don't know, again, I don't know what evidence there is. I have only seen a few pieces of evidence uh, on the machines. I know here in Virginia, we do have machines that count the votes, but the votes are paper. I mean, we have, we, we know that there are vulnerabilities. There um, are serious And we know that there are some people saying some things here and there that they've seen funny business. Whether, whether they can prove it, I, I, we've never gotten to a court of law that I know of with any of these cases. They threw, no. everything, they threw everything out on standing when they were challenged. So we don't really know. So my only question right. really is, were it not for the communications that they got a hold of, would the plaintiffs have had a prayer? I think not. I think that the, the deposition testimony of the Fox hosts and executives is what damned them. And I think that's why they had to settle the case. I, the, that, the deposition testimony that was given, honestly, it looks, like, it looks to me like they either were not, they, they were not coached by counsel or they, or they wanted Fox to lose the case and specifically gave bad testimony. I mean, because who, who would ever, who would ever say I'm a, who would ever say I'm a host and I'm going to bring on a guest and I know what they're uh, <laughs> going to say is false. I mean, you'd yeah. have to be literally insane to testify to that. Um, right. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, sense. and it's one after another, a bunch of them testified to that. I don't understand why I they mean, did, but they did. I could see them having a loud guest. And let's say, let's say Hannity has doubts. Tucker has doubts. I could see them allowing guests coming out to say things because they didn't want to offend the Trump base, which is their viewers, which ultimately means this, right? They didn't want to, didn't want to destroy their own network. So that I'm sure was part of the motivation. Just skimming the skimming the summary judgment motion, it looks like Dominion alleges that that they that Fox did it on purpose because they were losing, they were bleeding viewers. And I remember on our show we were talking about how yeah. they were bleeding viewers. So yeah. they wanted to try and make nice to the viewers who were caught up in the in the election fraud narrative. That's that's yeah. their, that's Dominion's argument. And given the admissions that were made during the depositions, I think that they would have won the case. I think they would have. Now they got text messages or emails, right? Um, my, my recollection is they got actual testimony from some of the hosts, Bartiromo, Tucker, Lou Dobbs. Like you say, I you really got to wonder how dumb. I mean, if you were the plaintiff's lawyer in your wildest dreams, would you ever get such information in the deposition? That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, wouldn't it's, think so. It, it, it's, it's like they of. weren't. It's like they either weren't coached by the defendants witnesses were not coached by their counsel or they were or they went and, and yeah. disobeyed instructions. Almost like they threw the game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is this the largest defamation um, judgment ever? At no, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Alex Jones, billion Alex Jones. dollars. All right. John, <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's also what they're afraid of. Am I crazy or did 2000 mules not exist? And how is that not more than enough evidence to. Um, because that doesn't go to the machine accuracy. They were attacking the machine company. They weren't attacking the election as a whole. They were attacking. Did uh, you know they uh, a lot of the statements were 
um, these companies were like had foreign influence and were, were I think there was one assertion that they were specifically designed to cheat in elections like in Venezuela, things like that, which again, you know, these uh, statements turned out to be to be false. And the people who said them, especially Sidney Powell and, you know, the pillow guy and and uh, a couple of others, Giuliani. I can see why they would necessarily be, um, you know, subject to uh, defamation, but they went against, they went out against Fox. And again, we look at the internet and the internet is like, we were all talking about section 230 and whether you're a publisher and whether you're a platform. And, um, and I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder that, you know, Fox's defense is these assertions are newsworthy in and of themselves. And I, I think that's true. I think the fact that the you know high-profile people are making these assertions, even though the assertions are false, are newsworthy as well. But I, I have no idea how they. I guess what's uh, also interesting to me is, I guess, the last forty years of my life, at the very least, every other word out of any pundit's mouth is allegedly. I mean, that's so much part of the language. It's probably used as much as the F word in peppering people's speech, and yet here they all fell victim to not doing that and allowing themselves to go down this way. And I, I just got to wonder about the stupidity of that. Well, and during, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Fox's lawyers and I, if I'm one of Fox's lawyers and I'm preparing these witnesses for deposition, that's how I would tell coach them to testify. You know, this is, this is something that's alleged. This is something that's newsworthy. I don't know if I agree with what you're saying, but you know, that's, yeah. well, that's how you testify. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that that could have been, I mean, I would think that was true. I mean, they, these guys are journalists. I don't think they were intending to try and uh, I don't think they were intending to try and put false information out there. But uh, that's basically what the deposition testimony said. So let me ask you guys a question. Now that we beat that one, does this hurt, quote, our side? Who, who is hurt by this? I mean, do we care that Murdoch lost a pretty penny? I'll tell you, free speech oh. is hurt because... And I, I don't know if Ed um, analyzed this before I came on the show, but if the, the company, the broadcast corporation or whatever, can be sued for what is said on the network by opinion people, um, obviously, who do opinion politics, um, what does that say as a precedent, this civil lawsuit um, settlement, not jury judgment, but still some kind of precedent, or at least the fear of um, uh, the cooling effect? Nothing, no difference. It means be careful what you accuse people of, which the people are. That's what I mean. People say. What I was getting at is, is, can't someone sue in civil court, someone sue CNN now if any other people say anything that's not 100% accurate, which people have said on CNN? Doesn't that open them up now? They have been sued and they won. They, they, They successfully defended some suits. But I think the real loser, Stephen, is anyone who's claiming that the 2020 election was stolen. Right, even though this doesn't prove that. Correct. That they get to say it, they get the bragging rights. Right. I um, mean, it's just like every other every other loss that the pro election, you know, the pro election fraud people have suffered in court mm-hmm. uh, has it's led to the other side saying, "See, there's no fraud." That's 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 the. Well, I think it's it's, it's even broader than that. And you know, this whole thing about misinformation, disinformation. You know, in New Jersey, there's a bill they want to they're ready to teach kids in school. Uh, what's misinformation and what's disinformation. So they were already prepared to tell everybody that Fox News and Tucker Carlson and 
Sean Hannity are a bunch of liars and everything they say is wrong. Uh, this just gives them more fuel for all of that stuff. Now, did you see this story I put up in the show notes, which I didn't read that much about, but apparently Tucker got sucked into some kind of hoax dealing with Ukraine. Did you see that story? I saw that story. I, I didn't really understand I, what they were saying the hoax was. I saw Christine Lagarde got uh, got um, hoaxed by a caller pretending to be Zelensky a week or so ago. That was funny as hell. She's the head of the European Central Bank. But I didn't hear that Tucker did. Oh, and I heard that Matt Walsh's phone got stolen yesterday and a bunch of tweets showed up. On his I don't account. know if this is a true story. It's Tucker Carlson duped by fake military documents on Ukraine war shared by Russian propagandists. Oh, um, yeah, I have no idea what that's true. I, I, you know, again, I'm not even allowed to look at these documents, but I read one article on, on uh, I forget whether it's the New York Times or Washington Post that said that uh, some document claimed that uh, that um, seven Ukrainians were lost for every Russian that was lost. That can't possibly be true. If that were true, Vladimir Putin would be sipping champagne in the Kiev presidential palace. There's no way that can be true. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they... the seven to one because it says, yeah, how no, could that, you, the that... edited version of the documents posted by Donbass, the Vushka's telegram channel to claim Ukraine was suffering seven to one troop loss ratio and was losing the war. Um, yeah, well, if he did say I... that, that's. That, that's crazy. It can, that cannot possibly be true. I mean, you can't like be in a complete stalemate for a year um, at, with a seven to one, you know, troop loss. I mean, he, you know, it, it's impo it's impossible. In fact, most people think the Russians are losing more, you know, because usually you lose more on offense and defense, lose, losing more probably 1.5 to one or something like that compared to Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. um, it, the idea that there's seven Ukrainian losses for every one Russian loss is, is it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever from a military perspective. I guess to answer my own question, this is a big hit to Fox's credibility, even though it didn't have any with the left anyway, but does it hurt it with the middle people, yeah. if our middle people, independents? I think there are people at, on the right um, who think that this war is a bad thing. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely one of them, I, even though I'm, you know, sort of pro-Ukraine. I think the war is a disaster. And I think our foreign policy is completely reckless. Um, but I think uh, there are people in the, who, who want to show, who, who so want to defend the position of, um, you know, we should get out of this war as soon as possible, that they're going to grasp at whatever straw they come from no matter where it comes from. And I think if, if Tucker really did say that, then he he certainly fell into a, a you know confirmation bias trap for this uh, for this particular claim. Okay. Well, well the, I, I mean, the other- I even forget, Sorry, before I forget, before I run in a minute, super duper congratulations to everyone, especially Ed Ripkin Maslish um, for the 150th episode. <laughs> Obviously, I hold everyone here in super duper ultra high esteem to the level of 31 trillion. Um, thank you so much for providing with incredible analysis to everyone from all over everything, especially when you guys disagree with me and with others. Um, so thank you so much. Keep up the awesome work. And I'm gonna try to stay on for as long as I can until my boss, aka the baby, forces me to come out of my room. Baby Alu. I think he's but he should be making an appearance one of these days, right? <laughs> I just spoke to his mom about it. She's essentially his agent. 
He costs a lot. We'll try to get him on the show if the CFO approves of us booking him. I, I was going to say if he's able to, but I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that's his name, right? His name is Abel, and it's named after Abel Ebenezer Mudgett. Um, Abel was apparently Ebenezer Mudgett's nickname. And this Saturday in New Hampshire, if you're around southern New Hampshire in the town of Ware, we're celebrating the Pine Tree Riot, celebrated every year. Um, this is the 251st anniversary. This was 1772, I believe. Um, it was one of the precursors to the revolution that we celebrate is when um, we rebelled against the king. People in New Hampshire rebelled against the king, trying to do eminent domain by stealing people's pine trees to build his navy ships to abuse us. And um, they essentially tarred and feathered and beat up the sheriffs of the king and got away with it, essentially with a fine by the court of like five pence or something, five shilling. Um, and uh, we celebrate that from 1772, celebrated every year, like the Boston Tea Party, but better and earlier. So it was one of the catalysts, maybe the catalyst for the revolution and independence. And that's in where, and that's um, Saturday, two to five. So come out to where, um, look for the address from AFP. Mike, AFP, in conjunction with the Kluvians who bought the farm, where much as farm, where it was historically, they bought the property. They do this event every year, and it's pretty awesome. Okay. So anyway, it's like Abel Day. It's like celebrating his day, his namesake. So I'm going to go up there and see if we can get Abel a speaking spot during the event. As Associates of Liberty Block, I'm sure you guys all know Abel's birthday. Just guess. New to me. Just okay. guess, Ed. New to me. January 6th. There you go. I'm pretty wow. sure I've told you all. I mean, come on, man. Did you guys see NBC, the NBC documentary, their reaction when Stephen Nass, another free stater, uh, who's an awesome guy, he, he owns the Independence Inn, um, he mentioned that, like, Abel was born on January 6th. The two NBC documentary producers were so horrified. They were like, does Alu think that's a good thing? That's because she was thinking it's, you know, it was, as you guys know, it's the worst day since Pearl Harbor and Civil War. In fact, probably worse than both combined. And it's like a bad day. Um, it's like crystal mask for them. And they, they were so horrified that I was happy about it. And Stephen Nass, unfortunately, he's like, no, Alu was joking. And I wanted to jump through the screen to the TV saying, no, I'm not joking. I am proud he was born on a decently pro-liberty day. All right. Let's see. Sure, I would call that a pro-liberty day. What's that? Well, I'm not yeah. sure I'd call January 6th a pro-liberty day. <laughs> yeah, it's like celebrating like the... We're finally afraid. So if a politician right is afraid, that's fire. always decent. <laughs> All right. Well, I was just going to quickly point out the obvious, which is the, the leftist, left-wing media. And I know we don't like to throw around the H-word hypocritical, but geez, you know, they jumped all over Fox about this while they lie and they, they cover up everything, you know, a, from the vaccine to Trump Russian collusion to Russian not collusion. only knows, I mean, you name it. So no one agrees with me that, that there are lawsuits on the horizon against the leftist media for doing this? Well, I mean, they've already taken some hits, haven't they? I mean, um, Nicholas uh, Sandman. Yeah, the Sandman. Um, and yet, the other, and the, yet other kid, they the other kid from Wisconsin who, who uh, you know, shot a couple of Kyle people. Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they take their hits every now and then, too. But, you know, um, unlike Fox, they're going to be holding it up forever, you know, making an issue out of it. But the left probably has unlimited funds coming in from Soros and all the other big donors. So a few hundred million dollar lawsuit from Sandman probably doesn't matter much. But I hope Rittenhouse yeah. cleans out their bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Guys, I want to move to China for a second. Um, move to China. Move to China. Shocking, shockingly. The Chinese balloon had technology that they didn't want to admit going in. Ed P, you're our foreign and computer guy. Does, does that uh, make sense to you that 
they had all kinds of advanced stuff on there that we were lied to about? Uh, that we were lied to by our own government? No way. Well, that, our government that, that part's easy, but... <laughs> I mean, is this a dog bites man or what? I mean, I, you know, I, it was a spy balloon. It had spy technology on it. I mean, what is surprising about this? Was there stuff on there that they're now saying that you knew about, know about, or that makes sense that it exists? Is it something that is surprising that people should be worried about, that it was so well, much more advanced than we thought or not? I haven't read this article, but it's a spy balloon. It has spy stuff on it. Why? I, I, we put tarps I, I, on everything. We didn't let them look at anything, I thought. That that was the lie, right? Again, uh, you know, most classification is to keep stuff away from the American people. The Chinese know what's on their spy balloon. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, they shouldn't put tarps on it. You bring it out and, like, show everyone. Um, so it's just yet another uh, obvious example of grotesque overclassification. It's like, well, we have to produce sources and methods. Well, the source and method is you dug it up from the bottom of the ocean. We watched you do that. Uh, you know, it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. But they can't help but classify everything. So uh, there's a story about the, you know, the director of the NSA sending out a Christmas, uh, uh, you know, Merry, have a Merry Christmas. And it was labeled top secret. I mean, these, these guys are crazy. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, well, that's because he yeah. had to hide that he was a Christian. That makes sense. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, in a in a real country, they would have dragged it out and laid it out on the ground and let everybody look at it. I mean, that's what the do you um, think? But do you Chinese think China got uh, more? Do you think they got more information <laughs> than we originally thought? And does that matter? Uh, I don't know what I originally thought. Um, Not what you thought. Well, we but, what. The average job. I, I thought they probably jammed the comms on the thing, but I mean, you know, given the competence level of this administration, I would be surprised if that actually happened. I don't know. You say jam um, the comms. What do you mean? Because it well, went right over where I live in North Carolina, and the day it went over, my cell phone would not work. Yeah. So obviously, and, by the time it got to North Carolina, they were. You may have the been the targeted. Were they jamming? Were they, they jamming the balloons? <laughs> communications back when it was over important military installations like in Montana. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I don't trust the Biden administration to say anything one way or the other uh, true about the whole thing. So, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if it got more information than uh, than we were led to believe because we were led to believe that, oh, no, it got nothing. Well, I mean, obviously, that's not true. OK. I mean, it wasn't a weather balloon. Yeah, it was not what it was. What couldn't they just have gotten straight from Hunter's camera? You know, I don't know. Own the Bidens. It's or Ashley or Ashley's shower cam. Yeah, I mean, should we be scared? And the other interesting China story, and I don't know if you guys are following it. It's maybe a bigger story in New York. The police stations that they supposedly have. This was an old story. There was but a They busted another one and they came ago. out. There's even more. I mean, how crazy a deal is that? Is that Isn't a there story? Explain what? that. What's the that? Chinese government was running essentially police stations in the United mm -hmm. States to but police their expatriates. Chinese citizens here, Chinese nationals here. Yeah, including um, like Flushing, Alu, like where we are. I'm sure Flush, probably the biggest Chinese community, yeah, in Queens, where I used to live. Um, but also, didn't I see an article recently, probably in the show notes, um, about 
whatever thousands of Chinese people crossing the southern border every year? Who, who put yeah. an article in the chat? Well, they don't need to cross the southern border. They're being let in by the millions as students. They're All they students. need is a student visa. Any mm. Chinese student can get it. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody today from my old school, and they have about 19% foreign students, and they're almost all Chinese. And they're like, well, okay, why do they do that? Well, because they pay full price. These right. universities cost $60,000, $70,000 a year. Nobody, no American pays that. They all get financial aid. We're all too poor. But the and, Chinese- And the poor were attacked as, as racists or ethnocentrists. Can someone here please explain, otherwise I will, why it is so problematic and disturbing that so many Chinese nationals are here in our universities and all over the other sectors, including professors and in universities? Well, there, half of them are spies and, and not willing either. It's because they, you know, their families back in China is being held hostage. The fact is that I'm shocked that half of them aren't spies. Yeah, I don't know you where know? you get that number from. I would think they all are. <laughs> half yeah, just haven't I mean, been busted yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think half of them uh, don't give into it or don't know anything. Um, but, you know, again, it's the Chinese government lets you out of their country to come to the United States uh, to study for one and only one reason is to be a, either industrial or, you know, a national security spy. And, you know, some people come and they work for McDonald's and, you know, I guess they tell them what the secret sauce is. But, I, you know, I mean, the rest work in tech and uh, I guarantee you that uh not they, they all what i've read is half of them send everything back are they why the should our viewers students that uh, actually go to university to learn something yeah well i mean they learn things but um you know a lot of these universities are like are associated with local companies right they they like to spin off these local companies especially the tech schools like carnegie mellon where i went to or stanford or Berkeley or, you know, where Ed went to, I mean, they, they have these little tech things and they employ the students and they, you know, create intellectual property or they get intellectual property from the university and they create these companies and it's all going back to China, especially in things that make a lot of, um, you know, are, are serious, like uh, artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, there are things that um, the Chinese don't quite have yet. They don't quite have the chip production capability yet. Uh, I'm sure they're trying to steal uh, that technology as fast as they can, but that's something they don't have. But, uh, you know, they can get that for mer mergers and acquisitions, right? So, or by invading Taiwan. That's what I just said. <laughs> mergers and acquisitions. Our, our skeptical viewers might be wondering, why should we be concerned? Why should the average American be concerned? that a lot of professors and universities are Chinese nationals and spies? Well, I mean, I, obviously, if you're if you're not a nationalist and you don't have any patriotism towards the United States, you wouldn't be concerned. But those of us who are American patriots are very concerned because the Chinese are not nice people. The Chinese government are not nice people. And uh, they have- They mean uh, harm to us. Yeah, they've they, been yeah, stealing they technology harm. since they were buying Bill Clinton. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, you know, but why professors? Again, uh, why should people care about professors? Well, because professors are the ones engaging in research and doing it on behalf of an enemy government. Well, I mean, the worst thing is it's, uh, you know, all these 
tech professors are getting money mostly from the United States government, right. some from exactly. corporations, but mostly from like National Science Foundation, all that. So the taxpayers are paying money to the government, which is giving it to Chinese professors, which are using their contacts within the university to create and get more technology to ship over to China. That does not seem to be a, especially since they're a, a enemies of the United States. And, and, you know, and the Chinese are enemies um, nowadays under Xi because he's, you know, made things a lot more totalitarian. They did, there was a big relaxation under Deng and his successors, but the relaxation has, has come to an end. And uh, Xi is definitely, um, sort of becoming a dictator, just like Putin, you know, uh, everything was relaxed uh, after communism and Putin has slowly but surely, you know, centralized power. And I think Xi has done the same thing. And, uh, you know, that's never good for the people in the country. They deserve to have a relatively free government. And uh, so it kind of mirrors China, what's happening here, right? <laughs> yes, I think, yes, exactly. No, I mean, we have our own problems. Careful, right? Mike, you don't want to get sued you know, by Dominion. <laughs> um, so on the subject of Chinese, are the Republicans really going to hold the line on this uh, switching DiFi in the Judiciary Committee? Or are they going to cave on that too? Anybody think they're going to hold? Well, apparently, they're they have held the line. They've told them they held no until this moment. Are they going to hold the line? Exception. Background for the listeners, please. Background for listeners. Yes, that's a good point. So Diane Feinstein, who's on the Judiciary Committee, has been out for months. And She's a senator from California who is around 89 trillion years old. Right. With a zero here or there, doesn't matter. And because she's not there, they can't get any judges out of the committee to get a vote. And they want now to replace her, quote, temporarily, which apparently they need 60 Senate votes to do. Right. The, so committee is, the committee is 1110 because the Democrats control the Senate. But because she's not there, it's 10-10, and a tie is not enough to get the vote out of the committee to the floor. So as long as she's not there, as long as she's a committee member and not there, they can't get Biden's radical judicial appointments out of committee to the floor for a vote. And in order to There's replace some... her on the committee, they need to get a, a full vote of the of the Senate, which is subject to a filibuster. There's, no, there's, two, there's two things. With the Democrats, like it's always 10-10, no Republicans. No, no, no. They they vote to confirm most of the justices. It's only the really awful ones, the, the worst of the worst that they don't. They're, the interesting thing is to temporarily replace her on the committee is subject to a filibuster, but to permanently replace her on the committee is not subject to filibuster. And so they, the Democrats only need to have a majority and they do have a majority if you subtract feinstein they have a 50 to 49 majority in the senate the question is why don't they do that why don't they permanently replace her well because she is completely and totally disabled she's uh demented more than biden she doesn't know where she is she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't know enough to uh resign and so for them, it, for them to permanently replace her on the committee, they have to admit to the American public that she is not fit to serve as a senator, and they don't want to do that. Is she is she currently skipping out on committee hearings, or is she skipping out on everything? Is she back in California? Everything. everything. So she's not even there. Are you sure that they she's really care about there. that, Ed? Yeah. I mean, I, look at what they look do. What they're doing with Fetterman and and with yeah, Biden. I mean, they don't I, seem to care. Fetterman's not back either, right? No, he yeah, just Fetterman is. Back. 
Did he just come back? Betterman is. Is it really him? Yeah, it's a brilliant. It is really him. No one else. I'm going to be angry. So, so we need to stop saying things that are not 100% confirmed and 100% leftist because anything else is going to get us sued. Who else would show shorts, guys? It's you. It's you, Alu. You're the one who's going to be sued. I don't give a shit. I'm a guest. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> it's me and my CFO and my um, self-proclaimed senior yeah. attorney from Liberty Block yeah. and my self-proclaimed... No, he was going to say he doesn't know what you're going to say, so it's not a problem. He thinks yeah. you're telling the truth. You could be the next James O'Keefe. You know, we'll get, the we'll get the board together and we'll have to ask you. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. <laughs> As a proud papa, one thing about Alu, no one could ever, ever, ever accuse him of malice. So let them let them fight that one. That that's the standard they won't get him on. So I just got a message on Facebook by an angry teacher who's upset about my post, I guess, about abolishing public schools, and he's pretty angry <laughs> and uses some some words, um, expletives that indicate that he thinks I have malice. Um, but okay. whatever. So well, disclaimer, yeah. um, disclaimer from me, and I'll let my attorney speak in a minute. Everything on the show is only for entertainment purposes and does not actually mean anything. And um, it's not legal advice or medical advice or investment advice because I need that disclaimer here in the great free land of America where we have free speech and that. Yes. Well, we'll have to add that to the interest of the show. There we go. And are there Republicans? There's a lot of um, talk now about the debt ceiling. Supposedly McCarthy's going to hold the line on something. Is anybody following that closely? And does it look like he'll hold? Mike, you're the uh, financial guy, right? <laughs> you, you you expect me to think that they're going to hold their ground on any of that stuff? Can I explain background for people who are not familiar with this, even like me? The That's debt ceiling, on. which has to be expanded. When does it have to be voted on? Usually Sometime in the fall. In June. In June. June this time? The U.S. So, government can't just borrow money. They have to have authority from Congress to borrow mm -hmm. money. And right now, the amount that they're allowed to borrow will be exceeded sometime in the beginning of June. So they're going to need to have authority from Congress signed by the president, allowing them to borrow more money. Mm. And the Republicans in the House have said, we're not going to give you that authority. I believe right. that they I only need a couple of Republicans to buckle, right? Mm -hmm. Six. Six, which you would think is not all that difficult to get. So, I mean, is McCarthy just feigning something right now? Will he get anything? Does anybody have any confidence at all? Well, McCarthy, I thought I've always thought that he was a fake and a phony. I was opposed to him becoming speaker, but I will give him this much. You want you want hope? The first hundred days or so of his speakership, he has held the line and he has done what he said he was going to do, and he's done a good job. Do I trust him? No. Do I think he's going to continue to hold the line? No. But his record for a hundred days is a good record, and. If he keeps up the record, then yes, he will hold the line. Time will tell, though. What has he done so far? I mean, he released the January six tapes. That by itself wow. is every is enough. Yeah. Well, I think he's better than people fear. Well, the committee assignments didn't he let like Jordan and MTG on committees or Jordan's chairman of the committee? Yeah. That's pretty no, decent. He's, he's been refreshingly not horrible. That's for sure. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Surely not horrible. It's a low bar, isn't it? That's our tagline, huh? <laughs> That's the new GOP slogan they're going to discuss at the RNC for next year. Yeah. But I think it's important because that really is pretty much the only power the Republicans have right now is the debt ceiling, isn't it? But well, that's the have, biggest power, the power that Madison said that the Congress had, <laughs> power of the purse. Right, but I'm saying if you, money. 
it only comes up usually when there's quote unquote budget, which we don't really do anymore anyway, but the debt ceiling gives them an immediate place to say no and for something. Of course, they almost always cave. So almost always. <laughs> I, I think the Republicans should adopt the cave as their logo, you know, instead of the elephant, you know, just just a giant picture of a cave. I think that that should cave be the logo. Okay, Ed P, Ed P, since you're so smart, why is it called caving? It's an excellent question. I don't know the answer. You don't know? Ed M, do you know no. why it's called caving? Uh, good question. I don't yeah. know. Caving in means that the roof is falling in. I. All right, we have to figure this one out. Yeah, I guess. Maybe in the old days, caves caved in a lot more. Give in. You're giving in. Oh. Uh, yeah, cave in. I don't know. we got to work on that. But you're but right. That, that's the budget. I feel one. like, like you know, you guys are saying that the Republicans have um, some leverage. I feel like the Democrats and the media really own this issue, and it's it, this favors them. Because yeah. if they say that the Republicans refuse to uh, uh, extend the debt ceiling or something, which essentially means they can't pass a budget or whatever, or borrow, all the poor families, I'm looking here, 44.7 million Americans on food stamps, <laughs> thanks to the elites destroying the economy and forcing people onto welfare right. and making them dependent forever. So all the people won't get their, their money, their food stamps, welfare, and Medicare, Medicaid, you know, billions, trillions. If we can't extend the, the, the debt, and the budget ceiling and all that stuff, and we can't borrow more, then these people will die. So I feel like the uh, if America can't pay politics. its bills, if we can't pay our bills, our reputation is shot to hell. Come on. Our reputation. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You guys pick an issue. Hey, okay. So to cave in, first mention 1840. Uh, <laughs> and there's no, uh, there's no, um, no Latin uh, discussion of where it, of, of where it, uh, of where it came from. Yes, he was a plucky fellow and weren't a going to cave in that way. That was the first T.C. Halliburton, Stam Slick. Oh, did you see, nature. it was Halliburton. I knew Cheney was involved. I know Cheney was absolutely involved to That's yield for, to for pressure us. from above, or to be morally or physically undermined, to break down, give way. Okay, give so I class. like that. Now that that definition. Is a good definition because it's from the Oxford English Dictionary. Morally and physically undermined. Well, of course, not physically, but morally undermined. Why are the Republicans morally undermined? Because they are afraid of being seen as evil to the poor or evil to uh, minorities. And uh, we well, all they know have a right something to. happens didn't, with the didn't budget. did Rush Limbaugh give his own mother dog food? Yes, exactly. He gave his own mother dog food. Right. So, How um, you weren't around in those days. He made a joke about that, and they literally went around the country saying he's giving his mother dog food. No, I've heard a certain CFO used to ride around in the car listening to Rush 24-7. Um, yes. But no, I, I've heard of all the stuff of pushing grandma off the wheelchair, off right. of the, ledge, and the sure. dog food. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've gotten to all my stories pretty much. What's the big stories on your guys' mind? Well, I, I think the Alex Berenson uh, announcement of the lawsuit against the Biden administration and the Pfizer CEO, it's a big deal. I mean, we haven't talked about this stuff that much lately, but talk about it, it. Gets, gets to the crux of the matter of um, government using private actors, pressuring them to violate our freedom of speech. That's exactly what they did to Alex Berenson. I think it's an important case. Hopefully it moves forward and ultimately we get the right verdict. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, then, and then, of course, it becomes a matter of how they're held to account. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's still a very, very important case. A related story to that was Elon Musk admitting to Tucker that the intelligence agencies had access to everybody's direct messages on Twitter. Yeah. What they were doing with it, we don't know. I was surprised at that, honestly, um, because it's like, have you ever noticed that, that Edward Snowden's revelations don't seem, everyone has seemed to forget about them? Like Snowden has never existed. And what did Snowden say among any, among a bunch of other things? That the government is reading, all, is getting mm-hmm. data directly from these social media companies and is reading everything. That's what Snowden said. And uh, it's like, that was what, 2012? That was over 10 years ago. And people think, wow. people don't even remember. And so when Elon Musk comes out and says, oh yeah, they got a complete feed of everything. We're reading everything, even direct message. Yes. It's like, yeah, we knew that. So, okay. But it was like, everyone has completely forgotten. It's like, there are so many of these stories that have been completely memory hold in our life that I just don't understand it. Like Tucker Carlson should have remembered. Uh, I don't know. I think it's good because it motivates and, people to use Signal for texting if they want to be secure. And even that, I wouldn't be 100% yeah. confident, but the rest are totally not secure. I've got a different Signal story. Is as secure was, as you're going to get. I've got a different story that's been memory hole, but before I get to it, um, did we talk in the last last week or the week before about the Brooke Jackson lawsuit? I don't think so. Well, since you're mentioning, you know, suing Pfizer and, you know, suing the Biden administration, uh, Brooke Jackson had brought a False Claims Act claim against Pfizer for for getting paid from the government for uh, providing a basically a fake vaccine for uh, for covid. Mm-hmm. And the False Claims Act claim is a whistleblower statute, and it allows uh, it allows you it allows a private individual to sue on behalf of the government when when private individuals have information that shows uh, that can prove that somebody is submitting false claims to the government and getting paid on them or reducing the amount that they owe to the government. Um, and Pfizer's defense was basically not basically Pfizer's defense was. The government knew about this. This was in the statement of of work uh, that we don't have to produce a working vaccine, and that they, that the trial, the that the testing and the trials don't matter, and they're going to pay us regardless. So there's no fraud. They don't object to it. They didn't join this lawsuit. And uh, Brooke Jackson's attorneys argued that uh, it it still should be able to go forward and. That at a minimum, further discovery should be allowed to, to take place. And judge just issued a ruling about two weeks ago dismissing the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really promising case. Um, you know, it was a, a very creative and interesting legal theory. Um, but I think what's really interesting about it was the defense from Pfizer that the government knew about this fraud and was okay with it from day one. Um, it would have been great if we could have gotten even more information about that, but. Um, you know, I, I, I've been meaning to bring that up the last couple of weeks. I forgot. I knew that the week, I knew two weeks ago when it was decided, uh, I didn't get a chance to bring it up, but I didn't remember if I mentioned it last week. She was suing Pfizer. 
He was whoever. He was was suing on behalf of the U.S. government against Pfizer, saying that Pfizer submitted false claims to get paid essentially a couple of billion dollars for all the suing on behalf of the government. And what was the official reason why it was dismissed? That there was no false claim. The government was okay with it. So they accepted that. That was the claim they accepted. Essentially, yes. So the defense was you knew we were lying the whole time. That's kind of up to who who was the guy in the press who did that? It had to do with J6 and the election, wasn't it? That everybody knew we were lying. Somebody else used that defense. I can't remember who that was. That you shouldn't have taken us seriously. Was that Sidney Powell's defense? It may have been. It may have been or or somebody she was working with that everybody. Yeah, it was Sidney Powell, right? That's an amazing defense. So, wow. So Pfizer basically said their defense is you knew we were lying. Well, and the government joined joined them and said, yes, we knew, and this was all okay with us from, from day one, that it was outside the scope of work. It was, you know, pr- providing a workable back vaccine was not what we, what they had to, prov- to produce in order to get paid. Uh, this was always an experimental thing, and we knew that there was risk, and we were willing to pay them regardless. Yeah. And you heard that yesterday, the um, FDA approval was pulled from the original Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Yeah, I saw that. Vaccines. Does that matter? Does it? And, uh, and well, it's very interesting. We don't have a whole lot of time, but um, you know, the, originally you were supposed to take you know two shots, three or four weeks apart of Pfizer and Moderna, and they were both. Um, that we, they were uh, targeting the either the Wuhan strain or the Alpha strain, which was the first uh, thing, uh, first um, uh, different virus, the mutated virus that came into the United States. And then, um, then six months later, they were push, pushing taking a third shot, um, and then they were talking about a fourth shot for some people, and then they came out with this bivalent one, which is um, partially to the alpha strain and partially to the Omicron strain. And um, in an effort to simplify our vaccine schedule, the new schedule is the original alpha one is no longer approved and will no longer be used. That's billions of doses going into the trash, by the way, all paid for by you. They're all paid for, exactly. And, And now they are recommending only if you're unvaccinated, get one shot of the new bivalent Pfizer or Moderna. Uh, The Pfizer contains half as much mRNA and the Moderna contains a quarter as much mRNA as the first shot. And then only, and if you've already been vaccinated, only get the bivalent booster if you're 65 and older and, and have some sort of uh, you know comorbidity, so they basically backed away completely from the oh we're going to get a vaccine every fall. I mean until you know Pfizer pushes more money at, at the, the CDC, of course, um, and they completely backpedal on everything. So it's it's cra- yeah all of that. That's exactly right. What no, I asked Alu to put this on the screen because obviously um, we all know Robert Kennedy announced officially, I think it was yesterday or today, and he's the big anti-vax guy. And 
It used to be that any vaccine the doctors and government said I should take or give to my kids, I would. And I just saw this schedule Alu had shared with me the other day. There's a heck of a lot of stuff on here that not like when I was a kid. And it really yeah, we got me like five helpful about some of these, even the yeah, ones I thought were good, including COVID for our six month olds. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you read Robert Kennedy's book, um, uh, the real Anthony Fauci, I, which is again, which I went really to listen to the book. Yeah, very scary book. Yeah. Um, when uh, the Reagan administration uh, was approached and said, you know, we're not going to make any more vaccines if you don't give us uh, immunity, and um, and so they said, well, we, you know, we we don't want polio to break out. You know, we we don't want you know everybody getting measles and stuff. So yeah, we'll pass this uh, immunity. What that did, and this is a perfect, perfect textbook-like example of moral hazard. Because yes, they did produce those vaccines, um, but what they ended up doing is the vaccine manufacturers went completely crazy and started creating vaccines for all sorts of medicate uh, for all sorts of diseases. Uh, all, some of you know, some of which like COVID. Are not amenable to sterilizing vaccines, and um, and so you're uh, you've gotten to the point where you're inoculating your six-month-old for um, certain uh, sexually transmitted diseases, and like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, I have friends who are like they want to give me fifty vaccines to this kid, as I'm not I'm not doing that. But a lot of people just say, sure, give them fifty shots, and uh, I I think. The number of vaccines, uh, you know, Allah could put that up again, is, is something on the order of, of 60 now in 2023. When I was a kid, it was like five, you know, polio, smallpox, MMR. I, I have I have a list somewhere, but it wasn't that many. Um, but now it's big business because you can do whatever you want. And again, uh, what Kennedy went into in the book is the testing methods are very much... Um, well, we'll test it in the third world where nobody nobody can know, where there aren't any news media who can complain. And some of these uh, vaccine trials are horrific in their in their consequences. I mean, Bill Gates' oral polio vaccine is causing a big polio outbreak in Africa in the in the trials. And there's a bunch of other vaccines that have been horrendously inefficient. And uh, so, uh, you know, Kennedy had an interview. Or, or a lecture, actually, a Hillsdale lecture the other day, where he said, you know, I always believe in vaccines, but then people came up to me and said, you know, you got to uh, look into this. You're an environmental lawyer. This is an environmental thing. Go out and look into it. And he said, the, you know, obviously, he's a smart guy. He's been to law school. He can read technical stuff. He's done a lot of technical work in like chemical spills and all that stuff. So he just started reading papers. And he came to the conclusion that a lot, not all, a lot of the... Uh, of the vaccines are a pure rent seeking on behalf of these companies and uh, and due to the moral hazard of being given complete uh, immunity uh, from lawsuits or even prosecution when they make false state. So, and one of the things that really gets Kennedy me is, 2024. is the elites in DC and the big pharma billion trillionaires really showing us and confirming that we're over the target. The censorship, I was just reminded, um, RFK apparently was censored by Facebook right after he started his live stream, which is election interference because he announced he's running for president.
but but overall what they've been doing with corona fascism one of the few books ever blocked by amazon in world history um it's only one of two books i know of ever being blocked by amazon corona fascism my first iteration of the book um so many things the elites are doing to destroy people and look for it very soon i said it first you heard it here first we're ahead of the curve within a few months we'll see isps the inter internet service providers and other sites and forums and everything taking down anything that's not totally pro-vaccine we saw with corona fascism i wrote in the book the you know most unprecedented propaganda attack ever and i include in the new edition all the propaganda if you're a doctor who does not fully endorse the vaccine they will destroy your life um take away your license and try to put you in jail or put you in a psych facility i mean the, the, the most hardcore full court press i've ever seen again for any propaganda campaign so we know we're over the target if we're not fully pro-vax and that just makes me even dig in my heels even more and confirms what i think Yeah, I have to say, I, one I thing think, interesting uh, about that book is when that book came out, it was pretty radical, Alu's Corona Fascism book, even though it was heavily footnoted. And almost every ridiculous, wild-eyed, tinfoil hat thing he wrote in that book has come out to be true. And he, he was ahead of the curve with that book. And it, it really is very scary because, yes, I went through Robert Kennedy's book. And like I say, I don't even know what half of these things are anymore. And I'm not going through it with children. I have the next generation. You wonder how many parents are going to buck. And then if you're in a state where you can't homeschool, what is your choice? Yeah, I mean, some of these are important, like MMR, that works. Um, but human, pap human papillomavirus is a sexually transmitted disease. You certainly don't need it when you're, you know, uh, whenever they start it. And to give kids the, uh, you know, the COVID-19 disease is um, is literally criminal. And as and the same thing with influenza too. These influenza, one of the interesting things about the influenza vaccine and the, uh, you know, and the um, pneumonia vaccine is they don't work. There's no evidence of efficacy whatsoever. I wouldn't um, say they don't work. They work once in a while. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, it's they, missed, uh, and it works. Some people don't get the flu, right? But we don't know if that's because of the vaccine or not. If you're if you're a public health person, you uh, again they're all collectivist by um, by nature. But um, you know, generally, you want to see the number of hospitalizations and deaths, you know, per per hundred thousand go down, and that hasn't happened with either uh, influenza or pneumonia, even though. Lots and lots of people, especially old people, got the vaccine. So, you know, you say, well, OK, it might work for some people. That's probably true. But I mean, the number I'm of saying that kind of tongue in cheek haven't gone down because yeah, you know, I mean, anything it's, works it's, for has, some people. It's interesting. The there's no real days, world efficacy. Last few days have been some of these retrospective articles on the things that we put up with during yeah. Corona fascism. Mm -hmm. And it's embarrassing to even read the things we did with the circles and the six feet and the triple masks. Nope. And the, right. It's embarrassing. The one way. Yeah. The in one way. Stores, yeah, that one was, way. You know, in, in the grocery stores. Yeah. yeah. And remember, right. And the old people, you could only shop for an hour a night or something. One way yeah. in the grocery stores. That, that, but that's but you couldn't buy one. seeds in no. Michigan. I mean, yeah. it's really embarrassing to look back and see what America put up with. Yeah. I mean, well, this section of the grocery store the is open, but. 
that section of the grocery store is is close, you know, and that's the right. And walking into the restaurant, you can eat, but you can't go to the bathroom without a mask. And yeah, it's but it's it's and I went, I remember because... this store, a Michael's. It was it's gotta be 10,000 square feet, and they only allowed 10 people in at the at a time. And I'd you know wait in line if I had to get something uh to go into this uh, store. It's like 10, 10 people for 10,000 square feet. What are you crazy? Right. Um, and you know, we're talking about uh, memory not... holes. We memory hold the fact that there are, I, I looked, there are still several people alive in the state of Florida. Apparently, you shouldn't memory hold that because they said everybody there was going to die. And if I, I guess this article should go every day and do like Mayor Patch used to do with snow or something, every day he should say, We're still here. This is what two years ago when they said yeah. he's killing everybody in the state. I mean, it, it's interesting because you know we have we don't talk about this as much as we did uh, at the at the height of it. But Berenson had another um, interesting email this week about data from Maryland, and they it says here they they knew as early as June 2021, almost two years ago, less than six months after the mRNA jabs began, less than five five months after anyone could be considered fully vaccinated. A significant fraction of people hospitalized with COVID had been jabbed. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, no, it definitely I mean, came out that yeah. they knew Rook, very Rook early. Jackson, they, they, Jackson, they knew very lawsuits. early on it was a farce. Rook Jackson worked on the worked on the the Pfizer development and said in her lawsuit that they knew during the trials before the vaccine was even administered to its first person that it not only had uh, efficacy issues but that it was harming people. Yep. Yeah, that was part that was part of her lawsuit and part of why she said that it was fraud. But again, it didn't, you know, the judge dismissed it. Yeah, that was pretty damning stuff. I mean, all this stuff that's coming out is pretty damning. So I guess is RFK going to take Naomi Wolf for his vice president? That'd be interesting. <laughs> She's a little too uh, long winded. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, his voice is very, very annoying, <laughs> poor guy. You should pick me. I can talk and make up for his lack of speaking. And um, I identify as a woman. And um, I'm okay. from Hampshire, which a is a black woman. Thing. So, Ed, are you making fun of my lack of a tan? Yes, I get it. I'm pale. Why don't you make fun of me for being bald? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, no, I can't do that. Black trans Muslim woman. <laughs> um, and so RFK should pick me. Well, maybe you should pitch yourself. Um, yeah, maybe I'll try to email him or, or tweet at him. Um, so I think you mentioned a while ago the closing arguments for each of us. I wanted to mention the de-dollarization. I don't know if you touched on it before this week or I don't think last week. A lot of countries, I think, and Ed Maslisch is probably following it and understands it more than me, but a lot of countries, big big countries, are using things other than the dollar, meaning mm -hmm. we're essentially losing the, the United States, losing the world reserve currency status, which will plummet uh, demand, which will plummet the value of the dollar, which again, I think is good because it has to die eventually. So why not sue the rather than later? Um, the BRICS countries, um, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, uh, China, South Africa, whatever, a few countries and a few, like five others want to join it. Those countries, which is essentially the, the opposite or the counter to the Western world of, you know, NATO or Europe and the United States, they are all working on having creating their own version of a currency, like a dollar, like a world kind of euro dollar big currency they can all use. But anyway, the deals are apparently being made between China, Brazil, India, Russia, and a bunch of other countries 
in things other than the dollar. And apparently someone told me um, the, the BRICS overall, the, the BRICS GDP is now bigger than the GDP of, I think the G7, I believe they said, which, which is the first time ever that flipped. So the overall GDP is so, so people think, oh, these tiny, crappy, poor economies, Russia, India, um, small economies. No, actually like those five or whatever, five, six countries in the BRICS are now, their GDP surpasses, I believe it was G7, which is, you know, the seven most industrious, prosperous, big countries in the world, I believe. So, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong on any of those things, but explain the, the meaning of all this stuff. I think you're right about everything except the implication that it's it's a bad thing for the United States. I think in the short term, it will be a horrible thing because as these as these other countries start to trade in other currencies and dump dollars as a result, the dollar will lose value and those dollars will be ultimately repatriated to the United States. That will increase inflation in the United States. Uh, so short term, that's going to be very, very painful. But long term, they're forcing us to do what we were, what we should have done all along: decouple from China, decouple from Saudi Arabia, decouple from Russia, decouple from all these dictatorship countries. Start producing our own, our own oil in the United States, produce our own goods in the United States, produce our own pharmaceuticals in the United States, our own computer chips. That's better for the United States in the long run. So. Yes, it's going to involve short-term pain, but it's exactly what we need to do over the long term. We need to decouple from these countries and stop the globalism. Globalism is the cancer that's killing us. They're forcing us to retrench and and stay and, and focus on ourselves. And and I see you want to say something. I'll say one other thing. Uh, let them try and succeed without access to the U.S. market. To me. I think that I, I'm I'm confident that we would win that battle in the long run. We'll we'll produce for ourselves. Yes, there'll be some short-term pain. We have to figure out how to produce more pharmaceuticals here. We have to produce computer chips here. We're not doing it right now, but it's not like we don't know how to do it. It'll just take a little bit of time. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You we all know the reason, and for the viewers who don't know the reason why we don't produce, the United States doesn't produce anything anymore is because it's too expensive because of the goddamn politicians and regulators making it impossibly expensive to produce things from chips to clothes, to stuff, to technology, to food. Right. But necessity, necessity is the mother of invention, Alu. And when, when it comes time that we actually can't get our antibiotics from China, somebody's going to say, well, why don't we produce them here? And the DC politicians still will not cut regulations. Um... Ed, I'm only going to slightly disagree with you on that because one of our greatest presidents said we could just take a pain pill. Who said that? Barack Obama. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as far as the, would the politicians care if we couldn't get medicine for certain people? They would still get their medicine. They'd find a way. But I, I don't see anything. Again, that's why I support succession. The federal regulations, which is probably billions or trillions of regulations. And I know Trump actually cut 17 for every new one, apparently, which is awesome, but probably not the biggest, most important ones. But regulations, the, the, all of OSHA. I, I had another um, running with OSHA the other day. I forget why. Um, oh, we were going, our family was going to visit the USS Constitution. And they said, um, the one Navy officer who said, I run this ship, I'm the commanding officer of this ship, even though it was docked and it was a museum, essentially. Um, he said, no strollers on the ship as per OSHA. I almost laughed him. Alu, this is, this is a form of secession. This is like reverse secession. This yeah. is the, the, glo the globalists around the world are saying, U.S., 
secede from us. Get out. We don't want you in our club. And we should look at that and say, great, this is this is secession by another name. And we're we're out. We're not part of your club anymore. You guys do what you want and we'll figure it out at home. Do we have to repeal some of these regulations? Maybe. Do we have to repeal, you know, the bans on drilling? Probably. And and we'll figure it out. I I, I think that that's a better way to solve the problem long term than figuring out how to prevent Chinese spying in the U.S. or Saudi spying in the U.S. Uh, Lou, I just have to chime in. You're just reminding me, and I probably told this story when it happened a couple of years ago in Tallahassee, when we didn't have to wear a mask in a state park, but we took a boat on this little tiny dinky lake in the park, and you had to put a mask on on the boat because that was federal territory in the middle of this state <laughs> park. And luckily, I didn't get arrested. I mean, if my foot is here, I don't have to wear a mask. And if my foot is here, I do. He goes, yep, that is the rule. This is federal territory. And I, I yeah. I was I have to go. So I want to tell I I have to go at seven o'clock. So but I want to say one thing. Uh someone in France uh the other day um threw an egg at Emmanuel Macron and hit him right in the face. And all I could think about is that I hope they catch that guy because the Phillies need better pitchers. So <laughs> I will let you guys go and see you again. Uh, you know, as a Met week. fan, I'm not gonna argue. Ed, the one I wanted to just tell you, Ed, the one thing that's been memory hold that you might be interested in is the uh, the manifesto in Nashville. Yes. We we're talking about yeah. that. We we're talking about things memory hold. And all of a sudden, nobody is asking about this manifesto from this trans murderer. Yeah. So that was a whole bunch of to... stuff besides the manifesto posts and a tremendous amount of information that we're not privy to. So not, and not I privy, want you to know, hold. I I don't have any time. Um, uh, but the um, Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old guy who shot uh, the black teen, Ralph Yarl, everything in the media about that is false. He, the, the guy, Lester, was perfectly within his rights. Can you uh, do us a favor uh, and share, what, share whatever you have on that? And I and, want to bring that up. Um, and I, I will, um, I have to go, but next week, maybe can, we can talk about that. There's a thing called email, I, I will get email us a story. Thanks a lot, Ed. Okay, all right. Okay, Mike, what didn't we get to tonight? I know I brought up the Berenson thing, so yeah, yeah. go ahead. And I hear your your governor may run for president. He hasn't decided. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard rumors to that effect. I mean, I, I don't really take him very seriously. I don't, I don't think people could look at those teeth for too long, so. <laughs> Yeah, but he's saying. Uh, re remember, the Bill of Rights was over, above his pay grade too. So. Oh right, right. Yeah, we have to be yeah, remember that. that old these out of the memory hole. Yeah. Okay, Ed M. Ripkin, <laughs> it's all yours. I just gave you the the ones that I thought. You know the, uh, you know the Nashville uh, manifesto, and uh, I guess we we did we really talk about the Bud Light thing? We didn't really bring. No, we haven't gotten to the Bud Light thing too much because it's interesting to me only that the Republicans are splitting on that. And what is that going to mean, if anything? It's kind of interesting. I mean, Posobiec is usually pretty good and he he's not into it. And Don Jr., I don't know what's going on with the yeah. Trumps. So are they really getting that kind of money from Bud, Bud, Budweiser, whatever the company's called nowadays? Bannon, who rarely breaks off from a Trump, is against Trump on this one. It's a little confusing to me. What's well, confusing? I mean, it's a pretty straightforward story. 
why are we splitting? Why are people who are generally on the same side of the issue? Because they get money. They don't want to antagonize a big donor from Anheuser Busch is a big donor. Right. So why? John Jr. told you that. Okay, Bannon. Why is Bannon splitting off of Trump when Bannon is totally up Trump's? You know what? Because um, he's not getting money from Trump. <laughs> but he would get money. And interesting. And DeSantis doesn't need the money because he drinks that other stuff or something. And Wait, are, we, are we talking about taste rate or less filling? Is that what it is? No, I don't. I don't know. That's Miller Light. I don't I, even. I know. I know. I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> to even talk about Trump and Disney because as one of the articles said, is this his third strike? What he said about Disney and DeSantis and DeSantis shouldn't go after Disney. If he's not trying to bury himself, I don't know who is. I, I, Trump's mouth, his sphincter muscles, which don't work. I think the biggest mystery in the world is how do all the polls seem to still have Trump up on DeSantis in the primary from what I'm seeing on the ground, yeah, yeah, I've never. I don't understand. I, I don't take any of that seriously. He's winning point. by like three hundred percentage points. I, I, I said on another like, show, every time we see who's winning, it like two years out, they end up losing. The numbers don't <laughs> make like, sense. You, you we'll, mean we'll we don't see. have a President Giuliani and a President Scott yeah. Walker? Mm-hmm. Don't forget. <laughs> you said Scott Walker or Skywalker? Scott Walker. I said Scott Walker, but could be. We can, we can say Skywalker too. All right, listen, I have, I'm going to use my privilege and identify as a beautiful blonde woman standing on the sidelines, and I'm going to interview Ed Ripkin and ask him what's the secret to his Iron Man status. And he's looking at me all this when, when a hot blonde is, is, is flashing herself at me. <laughs> I'm, I missed that, and I'm glad I missed that. Ed, just tell the reporter that if your secret is a great haircut, that you got from a certain um, writer? Uh, I think we have a great show. We've got great personalities. It's fun discussing things with all you guys. It's not an effort at all to be here. So there's no secret. It's that you guys are worth the time. We thank you. Well, the sad thing to me is showing how old I am. I remember when Cal Ripley was a young, good-looking guy, and today he looks like me. He's old and bald. So that's how time goes. Yep. With well, that, he, he entered I, the major leagues over 40 years ago. Yeah, it's pretty scary. We wish everyone a wonderful evening. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. We will see you next week at the regular time. And once again, congratulations.